And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason Podcast. Sanctified Reason is the podcast where we sit at the crossroads of faith and pop culture and discuss the various issues that come through. I'm Son Edom along with Dan Delzell. And Dan, we talk about many different things on the show from pop culture, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, for example, talking about how he doesn't believe in heaven. And if you do promote heaven, then you're a liar. We've talked about other things that have to do with Hollywood. Uh, we've talked about things with the church, like prosperity gospel and preachers that preach about prosperity gospel and all things in between. We've had the uh, you know holy season. We've talked about Easter. Um, but one of the things that is a primary basic feature, so to speak, or or basic act of being a Christian, being a religious person for that matter, is going to church, going to temple, going to um, you know wherever people go to celebrate their religion. And so for Christians, every Sunday, um, you would get up, at least growing up, you would get up and go to Sunday school, go to church, maybe get together with the family for an afternoon meal. And so Sunday was set aside as the Sabbath day, as the seventh day, God rested, to be in church and to be with family and to just kind of start the new week off being focused on God. Well, nowadays, we've gotten away from that. We've got, of course, a lot of online stuff that took place over the pandemic, so people got out of the habit of going to church. You've got uh, a lot of access to social media um, or online sermons that people will sit and watch. And so basically, and now we've got even like churches that have services on Saturday night. So the whole concept of going to church on Sunday morning has really kind of uh, spread out into all different things. Now it's just like, do you go to church? And you go to church at what, you know, when and how and why and all those different things. But one of the things that tends to be lost is going. A lot of people just don't feel like going. I know I get wrapped up in that sometimes or I had to work late Saturday night, you know, various things. But there was uh, an article that, uh, that I saw on a website that uh, had came up that something that I think you had even sent out was 10 reasons to go to church even when you don't feel like it. Because that's probably the number one thing. Nobody wants to get up on a Sunday morning. They'd rather sleep in. So 10 reasons to go to church, even if you don't feel like it. I thought that's something we could uh, discuss on the show here. And just to start things off, I guess, you know, the importance of going to church on Sunday, at least making a commitment to just go, get up and go, would seem to be the first step. That would be a pretty important step in that whole idea of going to church, even if you don't feel like it. Yeah, it's it's definitely something, Son, that uh, post-COVID has um, become a bigger and bigger topic of discussion, at least among Christians, because the church attendance numbers have definitely um, gotten even lower uh, since COVID. And so uh, it, it seems like a very good time for Christians and churches to be talking about, you know, what is the purpose of of going to church. And, and I think at the top of the list, I think, you know, many Christians, myself included, would point to um, just the proclamation of God's word. Um, you know, the, the preaching of the Bible has always throughout the history of God's people. It has always been uh, a primary way in which uh, God has spoken to his people, revealed the truth, uh, brought conviction of sin brought the comfort of his love, and in the New Testament, of course, the gospel now, that that, that uh, 
was revealed uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, but, but the preaching of the word has always been at the heart of why God's people uh, come together. Um, you know, th- this was true in the Old Testament. Uh, it's even more true in the New Testament now. Uh, this, this gathering together, it's interesting, in Acts 2, verse 4, after the Holy Spirit fell on them on the day of Pentecost, we're told they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I sometimes refer to those as the big four. You know, the preaching of God's Word, fellowship with other believers, um, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. Now, of course, the breaking of bread can also uh, mean uh, fellowship meals together, which is uh, something that, uh, you know, many, many Christians do. You even referenced that, Son, in the opening, uh, you know, people getting together maybe for a fellowship meal on a Sunday. Uh, You know, in the early church, they had what was known as the uh, agape feast, the love feast, and it was essentially a potluck dinner. Where, where people would, would all bring, you know, different food items and they would enjoy food and, and fellowship. So um, the preaching of the word, um, the uh, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer, um, these are things that um, are very essential for Christians. And just to kind of kick us off today, I'll just leave it at, at this point, Son, and that is, um, you know, as a pastor now for 33 years, um, I've not seen anything in the Christian life uh, do do anywhere near as much for a Christian, for a follower of Christ, as uh, weekly worship with their church family. I've never seen anything even come close to providing the type of spiritual strength, spiritual food, um, and, and not not only for the believer to be fed and grow, but also to be a blessing. And because both of those happen when Christians get together, they, they receive uh, blessings from God's word and from one another, and they become a blessing to those that they're with. So I, I, there, there's really nothing to compare. It has no competitor. Uh, I mean, there might be some things that people, you know, maybe slip into. I mean, obviously some people are homebound and can't get out. And, and so that makes it, uh, you know, that's a different situation for them. But, you know, with COVID, a lot of people started worshiping online. And, and, and while that definitely can convey a lot of, you know, good, uh, a good message for a, a person, obviously, um, there are other components to the big four that you don't have with that. And, and you're not really then in what I sometimes refer to as like the bubble. There, there's this bubble, if you will, this, uh, you know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So imagine getting 20, 30, 40, 100, 200, 500. I mean, whatever the size of your church, um, imagine getting those believers together um, at least weekly. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you can see why God shows up in that setting because he instituted the church. Uh, the church is his bride. Um, you know, Jesus died for his bride. He died uh, for those who would believe in him. You know, he died for the sins of the world, yes. Um, but he also, he, he died also very specifically for those who would believe. Um, anyone can come into that, uh, through repentance and faith, but he died for his bride. And, um, you know, I know there've been a lot of people who've had, you know, a lot of bad experiences in churches because, you know, there are human things, sometimes sinful things that happen. 
Um, but, but the thing I like to say is, I mean, just because you know, I'm talking to a person, just because you may have had a bad experience in a marriage doesn't mean there aren't a lot of great marriages. And, and just because you, you may have had a bad experience in a church doesn't mean there aren't a lot of great churches. There, there's no perfect church. Um, you know, if there is, you should join it and, and it won't be perfect anymore. I mean, that's all of us, right? But, um, yeah, as we talk today about this topic, Son, I think we'll, we'll be able to convey to the listeners um, plenty of good reasons uh, to go to church, even when you don't feel like it. And, and then you can, you know, you can experience what many have, which is, boy, I'm glad I went because I needed that. And, and the first one I'll, I'll say, Son, is just the, the preaching of the Word of God because of just how important that is for us as Christians. I was going to get to it, but since you brought it up, I will um, just jump right into it. You mentioned about someone having a bad experience. Um, I saw this video, and it talks about this guy, father, wife and kids in church. Phone goes off, and it was loud. You've got to put the ringer off. And so the pastor admonished him for having the phone go off. Parishioners looked at him. His wife scolded him. And so he had this negative experience with his phone going off. Well, then he goes to the bar uh, at some point, and he spills his drink, drops his beer bottle. It breaks. The um, bartender comes over, makes sure it's, he's okay, offers him a complimentary one on the house. Uh, the janitor comes over, you know, wipes up the spilt beer, sweeps up the glass. You know, patrons next to him maybe got some beer spilled on him. They're like, it's okay. No, no, it happens to everybody. No big deal. And in the mm-hmm. end, he turns out going to the bar for the rest of his life and skips out on church. So, mm-hmm. so my point is, how can mm-hmm. we, if we are know somebody who has had a bad experience in a church, mm-hmm. how can we try to get over, get them over that? You know, because if they're just adamant, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going because of my bad experience. Mm-hmm. How can we right. work on them to? get them to overcome that I had a bad experience, therefore I'm never going again, even though yeah. your experience was with somebody else and maybe not at yeah. our church or another place. Yeah. And that's a great question, Son. You know, first let me address that, that illustration you gave, which is a good one. Um, I, I, I think in the case of someone whose phone goes off, you know, ideally, you know, um, two things I think are going to be happening in, in, in those type of situations. Ideally, you're going to have Christians who are going to be willing to um, not get not get bent out of shape over something um, that presumably was was accidental, um, and and are going to just cut some slack, you know, to the individual whose phone went off. Uh, be, be, because my goodness, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's not something most likely that was done intentionally, and um, you know, we don't have to be so. Um, Oh, I don't know. We don't have to be so rigid that, that, you know, we don't, we don't show grace to somebody who maybe ends up being a distraction, but it was an accidental thing. Okay. Um, now the, the flip side to that is, um, I, I think the more serious that a person takes this time with, with God speaking to his people during this worship time and, and, and the holier that a person views that, um, the more focused they're going to be on on wanting to hear from God and, and on not wanting to be a distraction. You know, um, the movie theaters are very clear at the beginning many times about, you know, politely asking people to shut your phones off. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I mean, people pay money to go see a movie. Uh, my wife and I just saw the movie Sound of Freedom. 
uh, about child trafficking with Jim Caviezel, a very well done about a critically important issue. And, you know, at the beginning of the movie, you know, like always, you know, they, they ask you to turn your phones off. Um, you know, some churches have done that. And, and I think the idea there is that what, what they're wanting to help with is that we're, we're entering into a special time of, of God's presence with us because we're all here. This may be the only time all week that we're all together um, and we're around God's word and he's promised to be here. And, and so I think, you know, 99% of Christians recognize that, hey, um, you know, I'm not the only one here. Uh, I, I certainly don't want to be a distraction to others. And, and, and so I think that example with the phone is one, I mean, it, there are flip sides to that. You, you, you could have some Christians that are so uptight that they don't cut somebody slack. I, I, I would question whether that, that's going to be a church that's going to really be able to help, you know, many unchurched people who might come in because they seem so buttoned up, so, so rigid, uh, that if you don't come in and just, you know, completely know what you're supposed to do, or, or you make a mistake, let's say, and forget to shut your phone off, um, you know, they're going to somehow, you know, be more upset at that than they are thankful that you're there. So hopefully, you know, nine times out of 10, hopefully it would just be a very quick interruption. I mean, I, I, I've had that happen many times as a pastor where, where somebody's phone has gone off. And most of the time, I don't even, I don't know whose phone it is. I don't try to see whose phone it is. Um, I, I, I assume that, you know, it was just, it was an accident. They forgot to turn it off. And, and I, and I've never really seen uh, over 33 years of the pastor. I've never really seen anybody, you know, get bent out of shape over it. Um, but, but it, it, that, that could happen. But to go to your, to go to your, really your bigger question, I think, son, you know, how do we help people who have been hurt? Uh, or burned, or let down, or disappointed, you know, um, it, it, it's similar, I think, maybe to how do you help someone who has been in a bad marriage realize that if they're led to consider, uh, you know, um, you know, a marriage, let's say your, your spouse cheated on you and ran off with somebody else, okay? Um, so, you know, and you're talking to this person, and they're like, oh, I'm never going to go through that again. Well, I mean, obviously, that might be one one way uh, that they, you know, would approach it. Um, but on the other hand, you, you might try to help them see that there are um, there are many marriages that are strong, that are joyful. I mean, not perfect, not not with, free from tr trouble or conflict, but 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 very satisfying in the big picture of things. And, and, and if a marriage can be satisfying, how much more satisfying can a relationship? Uh, in a church family be. And so there are literally millions of Christians today on earth who are receiving much joy and, and, and are a great blessing in their church family, whether that's a church of 20 people or a church of 2,000 people. Um, there are literally millions of Christians who would not say something like today just because of their own personal experience. They wouldn't say, well, you know, I, I had a real bad experience in a church. I'm never going back. But, but for those who are at that point, um, I, I, I guess we could try to, uh, you know, first of all, try to invite them to a church where um, it is very grace-filled. And, and, and it does clearly present the Bible, God's law and God's gospel, in, in a way that's not, um, you know, uh, producing a group of holier-than-thou people, but, but in a way that is hopefully um, feeding God's sheep to be humble, loving, 
uh, sacrificial servants uh, of our King of Kings. And, um, I, you know, there, there are, I think, probably plenty of church settings where there, there, are, just, there are just some real negatives there uh, that, uh, you know, you and I, let's say, son, we, we, we would not be able in good conscience to encourage somebody to go to that church. On the other hand, there are a lot of churches that we would encourage somebody to go to just based on what we know about it, um, based on, if you want to say, the review, so to speak, um, where they don't water down the Bible, but neither do they, you know, beat people up or lay, you know, guilt trips on people or just, you know, uh, hound people for money. Um, you know, that's why, you know, like in our church, I mean, um, at, at Redeemer, I mean, we, we've never passed an offering plate. Um, simply because that is an issue that in our society, uh, there, there are ministries that have, have focused on, you know, give, give, give. And while giving is certainly, uh, you know, a biblical uh, topic for Christians, and, 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 and most Christians are very glad to, um, to give uh, to the Lord's work, um, there, there are plenty of examples where that has been abused, I feel, by a ministry or by somebody up in front. Uh, and it's very unfortunate. I mean, I'm not even talking about, you know, like the, the health and wealth preachers who've got such messed up doctrine. And yes, they have their private jet and their mansion and their millions in their bank account. Yes, they do have that. But it, it's just a tragic thing that they do and that they're preaching about people giving more money and, and having enough faith to be as rich as they are. Um, it, it truly is a perversion of, of the gospel message. And, and the Bible warns about those who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. And, and those teachers who are promoting that, um, well, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes when they stand before the Lord, because the gospel message uh, provides the true riches. And that's what church should be about. It should be about the gospel, about God's word, about loving relationships about meeting people where they're at, not judging people, not, not just being a, a holy huddle for, you know, just people who are getting everything right. Uh, you know, it, it's, not a, it's not intended to be. It shouldn't be. And biblically, it's not a museum for perfected saints. It's a hospital uh, for, for sinners um, and for broken people. And, and if we can remember that, um, and, and uh, you know, I, I remember Son like when I went to seminary, you know, one of the things that they had you do, and then of course I've helped people over the years uh, involved with these groups, but you know, they'd have you maybe go to an AA meeting or an NA Narcotics Anonymous meeting. And, and, you know, one of the things that's real striking about those meetings is, is just how non-judgmental they are toward uh, each one there, whether the person has, you know, been sober for 35 years, or whether they just had a setback and, you know, they, they fell off the wagon last week, but now they're back at an AA meeting. There, there doesn't seem to be an ounce of judgment uh, toward the individual. And, and my goodness, um, you, you would hope that, that that's what every church would be, um, you know, a non-judgmental place. Uh, I mean, that, that doesn't mean that you, you know, water down the message or that you uh, ignore issues. Um, but but you have to meet people where they're at, and so um, it, it it gets it gets uh, challenging, you know, as a church grows, and especially if you get different ideas 
of how to deal with different situations. Um, you, you know, unless you're all on the same page, um, you know, you, you could end up doing, in fact, one, one example song that, that I, I know of, and we, you and I were talking about this pastor, I won't mention his name, but very well known, but, um, you know, they had a situation in the church where they felt like, well, you know, we need to enact church discipline against this one woman because she's not taking back her husband. And he has talked to the leaders of the church and said he wants to be reconciled to his wife. And, hey, you know, what Christian wouldn't be for that, for reconciliation? Any church or pastor should be trying to help promote that because um, God hates divorce, the Bible says. And, and so, yes, um, that should be happening. However, in this situation, um, this, this minister, and there was a video about this, um, you know, he publicly called her out by name and almost as a way in his mind of kind of like disciplining her and almost really kind of excommunicating her. You know, I suppose he and his, his you know, his elders, I think um, they, they decided to excommunicate her and almost like shun her. Now, now what I would want people to know is that's not going to happen in, in, in most churches. I mean, you're not going to be called out by name if, if, if something happens. And, and by the way, son, um, the thing that the thing that was really uh, incredible with this is that it later came out that this this man had been abusive in that marriage, and possibly there there was even some hint, maybe of of sexual abuse toward the children, even. Okay, so it was absolutely alarming that that it, it would be bad enough for the church to try to like force this woman to stay in a relationship where they don't know all the facts. They maybe just heard his side of the story, but as it came out later, there was abuse, um, I guess, toward her and maybe even toward children. And, and yet her name, she had been mentioned from the pulpit. Now, I give that extreme example. I hope every listener realizes um, that is not representative of, I, I, would, I would say probably, uh, I would hope at least 90, 90% or more of Christian churches, maybe higher than that. Um, now, you know, you're going to have on the other end of the spectrum, some churches that rather than calling out uh, uh, a sin like that by name, which I think is highly inappropriate in, in that setting to do something like that, uh, it doesn't mean you don't try to counsel a couple, but my goodness, that, that's just un, unheard of to me. Um, I don't think that's that's biblical. I mean, I know, you know, that pastor probably would go to Corinthians where it talks about, you know, expelling the immoral man, you know, who is engaged in, in, um, in sexual immorality. Okay. I mean, it's one thing to address someone, uh, you know, male or female, you know, if, if, but, 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 you know, I don't know, uh, today, son, however, calling someone out publicly like that by name, um, and, uh, and, and then, and then to have it to have it play out uh, the way that it did. Um, but, but oh, what I was going to say is, but you know, there are some churches that go to the other extreme. Um, so rather than calling out individual sinners by name, they start saying that certain types of behavior are no longer sinful. So not only are we not going to do that, we're going to actually start performing marriage ceremonies for people who are, let's say, in a 
in a same-sex relationship, which would be no different biblically than performing a, uh, a marriage ceremony for a, for a man and his mistress uh, who has a wife. Uh, they're in the church, but now he also has his mistress, and they want to go public. And so we're going to have a marriage ceremony for the man and his mistress. Now, I know people will argue on the other side, well, yeah, but, but it's a monogamous gay relationship. Well, biblically, that's just as sinful as a man, you know, carrying on with a mistress. Um, it, that's just as, as sinful as adultery, just as sinful as fornication. Um, you know, two teenagers having sex outside of marriage or whatever age, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I say all that just to say, I mean, you can always find, and I just mentioned a couple, extreme examples of, of, of what I don't think churches should be doing. Well, I mean, I know they shouldn't be obviously ordaining, um, you know, gay couples, uh, marrying gay couples, ordaining gay ministers, uh, or uh, marrying gay couples. That, that goes completely against scripture. Um, but I also don't believe that a, a pastor should stand up and, 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 and call out somebody by name, unless it's just a rare situation where that's necessary. Um, but in this case, not only was it not necessary, the information wasn't even correct. At least according to the reports, it has been highly investigated. And, and if the reports um, about it, uh, uh, Julie Royce, for example, wrote extensively about that situation. Um, and, and if the reports, the investigations are correct, uh, it, it was just terribly um, inappropriate to do that. So you're, you're going to find examples like that. But when all is said and done, son, that's no different than finding terrible examples in individual marriages of where a husband or a wife was totally wrong or totally abusive or totally unfaithful. And I mean, we could talk all day. And of course, that's what the world, you know, so many television shows are about that theme. Um, and, and of course, you know, Netflix did that, that documentary on Hillsong Church because people want to, they want to hear the dirt. They want to hear, and, and hey, Hillsong Church went off the rails. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, heaven help us if, 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 if what happened there is going to in any way be a model for, for a New Testament church. Um, but, but having said that, um, you know, just because there are so many examples um, and, and, and they're going to be spread across the Internet, across television. Um, I mean, you've got marriages where, where one spouse kills the other spouse. Um, you know, many marriages where one spouse cheats on the other spouse. So what does that mean? That, that we shouldn't encourage young people to get married because, oh, no, look what happened to so-and-so, you know. And, and, and so I think people fall into that trap when it comes to church. It's like, oh, I'm aware of a bad situation in a church. Let me just write, write that off. Uh, forget church. I mean, uh, you know, because I don't want to have it. Or, or I had a bad experience in a church, so I'm going to write that off. Well, um, I'm glad God didn't write off. Uh, any one of us, even though we've let him down many times. And I think as we, you know, just explore this topic today, son, we'll see that there are many good reasons to go to church, even when you don't feel like it. And just because the devil doesn't want you to go to church doesn't mean that God won't bless you in the right church with the true message and a loving congregation. And there are just plenty of beautiful examples of that today right here in America. You know, Dan, I always thought that the church should be more hospital 
and less courtroom, more nurses and less judges. Because um, when you take a look at the world we live in, of course, the Bible talks about, you know, for all of sin falls short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one that, you know, it only takes or it takes the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins. And only through Jesus can we get to heaven. Um, but the world is hurting. There's a lot of people that are hurting in this world. And you take a look at the churches in America, and I don't want to throw everybody into it because it's different, but I think corporate church in America is becoming more country club exclusive and keeping some people that should be there away. The church is a place where we should come to convalescent ourselves from the world. You know, we go to Jesus in prayer, but like you mentioned, we have to come together because iron sharpens iron. We're there to help each other in their needs. We've got mentors that we can find at the church. I mean, there's all kinds of resources that a good church can provide to somebody that's hurting. Just like AA, you know, people will go there specifically because of their, you know, alcoholic, uh, alcoholic, alcoholism. And they get the support they need. I think that's why uh, Planned Parenthood and abortion is such a popular choice, because if you go to the church, you're going to get condemned. You're going to get you know ostracized. You're going to get whispered about and all this stuff, whereas Planned Parenthood says, oh, hey, come here. We can solve your problem. No big deal. And it's going to be okay. So I think it's the approach of the church that oftentimes can be problematic because everybody has issues no matter what they are. And on the the truth of it is every sin is equal there is no sin that is greater but yet society puts you know a degree of sin on things if you have a sexual relationship with somebody that's a greater sin sure the consequences and things are different but god's eyes sin is sin but the church could be a great place for people to come and come as they are um you know you don't have to be all high and mighty you don't have to be living your perfect life you don't have to be living your best life now to go to church you can go however it is I remember growing up, um, you know, church, you had your Sunday best, right? Maybe it was a tie, suit and tie, um, and then it became like your Sunday best clothing, which is maybe a little bit more casual. Then I went to Iowa, and you had farmers coming off the farms, the tractors in their, you know, jeans and T-shirts. And it got me thinking that, you know, dress doesn't necessarily matter. We should be reverent in what we do. Like Like the point is, we've taken reverency away from Sunday morning, and we've made church less reverent and just a thing to do to check off the, the boxes. But the reverency doesn't have to be in the dress. It can be come as you are. So you don't feel like coming. I mean, is there anything to say that you can't come in your PJs and slippers? I mean, seriously. Um, again, there's decorum. But you know what I'm getting at. There's no reason why you can't come as you are because even if you don't feel like it, that's probably the time that you need to be there the most because that's probably when it's most needed. Um, and so anyway, so when you get back to that whole thing of, you know, reasons to come to the church, the one reason, like you've been mentioned is that community that can help you, especially when you don't feel like it, because that's when you're probably needed the most. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Son. And, you know, you, 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 you mentioned, um, you know, how there are some churches that are very worried about decorum and so forth. Well, we have a very relevant example in recent history in America, you know, in recent decades, that has now become widely known through um, the Jesus Revolution movie about really um, the the Jesus movement uh, of, of of the sixties and then in the seventies, 
uh, involving um, Pastor Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel and and the revival that uh, that, that God brought there. And, and Chuck Smith talks about how you know they were reaching these hippies, and some of these hippies would walk in with barefoot and walk in barefoot and walk in with long hair and all this stuff. And and some of the people in the more traditional church that he was in at the time, um, they didn't quite know how to handle it, and maybe even some of them were a little taken aback and maybe not too receptive of that. I've witnessed that myself uh, in the past of, of maybe where um, a, a certain type of person, let's leave it at that, um, didn't seem to be appreciated uh, in the church service. And, and I'll tell you, son, I, I find that appalling. I find that so distasteful. Um, and, and, and I'm so blessed uh, that like, you know, like at our church, as in many churches, um, a redeemer, you know, it, it's not about, um, who you are, your, your background, your race, your life. Uh, it's just, if you want to be there, if you want to hear God's word, if you want uh, to meet God, then that should be the thing that we're focused on and concerned about. And, and I'll tell you, son, I would never want anyone to go to a church where there are, uh, judgmental, where there's like a, a, a just a judgmental atmosphere or a, um, uh, an atmosphere of prejudice against uh, one race or another, you know, or an atmosphere, uh, a holier-than-thou atmosphere against people who maybe are, are struggling with a, a one or more particular types of sin. Uh, I mean, let, let, let's say that you were starting a church, let's say, in downtown San Francisco today, and you started to get um, a lot of people who are just strung out on drugs actually coming and listening. Well, my goodness, I mean, you're either going to, have to love those people or you, you probably should pack up shop and go somewhere else. Because if you cannot love the people that God starts to bring to your church, then you have no business being there and really, uh, you know, being a church at all. Because the first thing that should define us, in fact, uh, you know, uh, we, we see in Scripture that, that um, they will know we are Christians by our love. And that includes, and, and you know that that really should speak to church-going uh, Christians, or at least professing Christians, people who are professing faith in Christ. Um, if it's not going to be a non-judgmental atmosphere, then um, you know that, that then the churchgoers really need to take a good, uh, hard look into their soul and, and ask themselves how how did Jesus um, how did Jesus respond when he had the outcasts who were coming. Uh, to him, whether they be tax collectors, prostitutes, um, uh, the, the Samaritan woman um, that, that spoke to Jesus there, that he talked to there at the well, uh, and, and that, you know, even his Jewish followers uh, there were a bit confused, um, you know, by some of the things that Jesus would do like that. And, and then they finally realized, well, hell yeah, the Son of Man came to seek and to save which was lost. Uh, he came for both Jews and Gentiles, for both men and women. He came for sinners. And and I like the way you worded that. So maybe you can say that again here in a minute. Um, it was very eloquent. You know, you, you began, I think, your comments here a few moments ago. How uh, You said, I've always thought the church was. And then, and then you filled that in. But maybe in a minute you could share that again. Because um, that, you know, I really think, son, whenever I have witnessed like an AA meeting or an NA meeting, I thought, man, um, there's a lot that God's people could learn about this level of, of acceptance. You know, it's almost like, you know, why don't we walk into church and say, uh, 
you know, hi, I'm Dan, I'm a sinner. And everybody say, hi, Dan. You know, I mean, it's like, well, hi, I'm Bob, I'm an alcoholic. I mean, you know, people, that's how they open, that's how they greet one another. It's like, hey, I'm not perfect. Um, I do have this addiction, uh, or at least I'm, I'm you know, uh, I, I, I have been able by God's grace to say no for a period of time, and I'm, I'm trying to stay out in front of this by God's grace. But, but I recognize that I need help. I need all of you. I need support. I need accountability. I need prayer. I need God. And, and that's a model uh, that really the church could learn a lot from because the opposite of that would be like, well, you know, we're the group of people who've got our act together. And, and if you happen to be a, a visitor today, we're going we're gonna to decide if you have your act together enough to, to be one of us. And, and so it's like, I think you said, son, maybe like a social club. There are churches that feel like social clubs. And, and I don't blame anybody for not wanting to be within a million miles of that. Now, I know there are people who gravitate toward that. Well, you know what? Uh, I would say to that, um, if that's what you want, you know, that's between you and God and you and your church. But uh, I tell you, son, I, I would never uh, want to be part of that sort of uh, uh, atmosphere because I, I don't believe that's uh, the way that Jesus uh, dealt with people. I don't believe that's the way the church is intended to be. And I want to reiterate, son, anybody listening who maybe has not yet experienced the real thing, don't give up. There are beautiful examples of non-judgmental gatherings of Christians. Um, now, depending on where you live, I mean, like we're here in the Omaha area, there are plenty of examples of that um, here in the Omaha area. Now, if you're in a small town somewhere, I mean, it might be a little bit tougher, depending on how many churches are there. And, uh, but um, it's very, very important that you realize that God's love is flowing around the world in the hearts of millions of Christians. And wherever a church um, with its leaders and its, its, its disciples ha- have been able to guard against uh, a judgmental attitude, and a lot of that song really comes from the pulpit. I mean, if, 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 if the pastor um, conveys the type of attitude and, and, and message that, that Christ presented, then, you know, it's going to tend to draw people who, um, who think like that and, and are growing in, into that sort of an idea. If the pastor or maybe the, the leaders of the church ha- have more of kind of a, almost like what the Pharisees had, you know, we're better than others. Um, you know, they're lucky to be part of our group, you know, that, that, that sort of just, um, oh, just really ugly kind of, of uh, attitude about a, a spiritual gathering. No wonder Jesus reserved his harshest words for the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Um, he called them whitewashed tombs. Uh, you know, he called them a brood of vipers. They, they, their hearts were far from God. And, and they had no compassion for people. And that's a key word, son. A church ministry without tons of compassion really doesn't deserve to really have any guests attend their church. Be- because if, 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 if nobody can, um, you know, live up to your perfection and, and you have no compassion for, for someone because of something in their life or the color of their skin or their background or whatever. They're a hippie. They got long hair. They came in with bare feet. Um, the Bible says don't show favoritism. And, and, I, and I, I'm afraid, son, that for 2,000 years, this has been a challenge for a good number of Christians. 
And and if somebody listening today says, yeah, I know, because I was in a church where, man, I felt very judged. Um, you know, j- just remember this, my friend. Maybe you were judged by one or two people, but maybe that doesn't reflect the vast majority of the people there. Or if it does, then obviously you needed to get out of there. Um, but But don't forget that there are there are beautiful church families um, that uh, that would love to welcome you in and where you would hear the word, you would be encouraged by by prayer and fellowship and the Lord's Supper and serving others and, and, and having others give you their wisdom and insights. There are so many reasons to go to church, even when you don't feel like it. But sadly, son, it's kind of like with marriage. Sometimes people, they get burned and they're like, I'm not doing that again. And they miss out on what they could have had if only they'd gotten back in the ring with the right person, let's say, who wasn't going to cheat on them or the right church that wasn't going to be judgmental um, and uh, or, or the right marriage where they weren't going to abuse you. Uh, and there are plenty of people out there who will do it God's way. It's just a matter of you prayerfully asking God to lead you uh, in that direction and, and just watch what, what, what God will do when you really let him know that you want to love not only the Lord, but also his bride. You know, imagine if somebody came in and said, Dan, well, you know, hey, I really like you, but man, I, I, I can't, I can't stand your bride. Uh, you know, how, how, how could we really have much of a meaningful relationship? You know, unfortunately, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, are very, uh, very blessed by my bride. But I'm just saying, hypothetically, you know, that would not make it very easy. And and so what do people say to Jesus when they say, oh, well, you know, I'm done with the church. How's Jesus supposed to respond? That's his bride. OK. And and so um, you, you cannot love Jesus fully uh, if you uh, maintain a bad attitude about his bride. You just simply can't. And, and one way uh, and I'll just conclude with this thought here, son. One way that might help you, my friend, on that issue is just realize not every professing Christian is a Christian. Not everyone who claims to follow Christ is actually following Christ. So if you happen to encounter somebody who just represented what you consider to be the worst of, of, of any sort of religious or just human behavior, and they did that in the name of Christ, don't assume that that person is connected to the vine. Um, and, and, and if they're not connected to the vine and really whether they are or not, um, the blame all lands on them. Um, none of it lands on Christ. None of it really uh, needs to land on his bride because there've been a lot of abuses in religious settings. Uh, but that doesn't mean Christians were doing those, those, those abusive things. I'm not saying that, you know, genuine Christians have never made mistakes, uh, you know, that are, that are really bad. I, I'm just saying that by and large, um, genuine Christians are loving and not going to be judgmental, condemning, and hurtful toward you. And if they have been, then there'll be enough humility on their part to to recognize it and 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 apologize for it. But but just don't don't throw out the baby with the bathwater would be my plea. Um, don't paint everything with a broad brush. We tend to do that. Well, you know, I had this bad experience with this church where that whole church is bad, or I had this bad experience with a professing Christian. All Christians are bad. You know, but the same can be true for Christians. I had this bad experience with this non-Christian. So, oh, well, they're all, you know, people to avoid. Or I had this bad experience with, you know, somebody of another religion. And so, you know, or I had a bad experience with somebody who was who was gay or, or, or somebody who um, maybe had different views than my own. Um, but, you know, don't paint people with a broad brush. Don't paint churches with a broad brush. Don't paint Christians with a broad brush. And remember, 
Going to church is about Jesus. Finding people who won't get in the way of that, but will only help to facilitate your fellowship with him, um, but also with each other. Because Christianity is not only about you and Jesus. I know in America we're kind of made to think, yeah, it's just me and Jesus, you know? No. Um, Christianity is about you and Jesus, you and his bride, um, and serving the world. Um, but, but first serving his bride. I mean, obviously your own family. I mean, you have to serve them first, you, you know, in your home. But, but then as a Christian, serving your, your church family. Um, you know, the Bible says that um, we, we, we should, uh, you know, do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So if you're a father or mother, you know, serve your children first um, and, and help to raise them first before you focus on the neighbor's kids or other children. If you're a Christian, uh, serve your fellow Christians first and then go beyond that and, and serve, you know, other other people who uh, are outside of, of your setting or your church. Um, and, and, you know, son, when people do that and they get busy serving, um, they, they find, you know, those, those issues I used to have from my past with bad experiences or this person or that person, those tend to kind of fall away because there is power in serving others, power in loving others, power in the gospel, knowing that I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus, even though I don't deserve it. And God's calling me to forgive others, even when they don't deserve it. And it's just very liberating. Um, and, and it's just tragic when, when people miss out on that because they get this idea that, oh, well, you know, I'm done with the church. Well, um, it, it only hurts a person who, uh, you know, who goes that direction. Yeah, the final thing, Dan, that I wanted to get your thoughts on as far as the, the church goes and going to a church, a good church, there's a lot of young people today that are dealing with mental health issues, anxiety, stress not being able to cope with day-to-day life. Um, they feel overwhelmed. You know, all these things that when we, you know, it's kind of like on social media, there's kind of like this running, not really a joke, but this running thing about, you know, Gen Xers versus millennials. You know, Gen Xers, we were outside till the lights came on. We never went home unless it was an emergency and have to go to the hospital. We drank out of the hose, you know, and millennials are drinking, you know, Voss water. And, you know, if it's too hot, they stay indoors and they've got, you know, a thousand channels to watch TV and they've got a remote control. Whereas Gen Xers, if they want to change the TV, you know, mom and dad wanted the TV channel change. We were the remote control. So there's this back and forth about the two different qualities of life. And it's become a little humorous in some of the things. But it's pointed out the fact that in some of these younger people, there's a lot of anxiety, um, like stress, you know, depression. And reasons for it are things that we as an older generation just look at and be like, you got to be kidding me. That stresses you out. Going to college stresses you out. Are you kidding me right now? Uh, I went to college and I had a job and I had to do X, Y, Z on top of it. Anyways, the point is this. If instead of going to a a psychologist or something, which is important, a lot of people get on uh, different types of anxiety medications and stuff, which which can be beneficial. But one of the things that the church provides is people that have been there and have experienced some of those similar things. So if you are struggling with certain anxieties, or if you're struggling with certain you know, issues of being overwhelmed, if you're struggling with certain things, there perhaps could be people in the church that could help you kind of overcome those things. Now, I'm talking about the serious things where you actually do need probably some professional help or whatever, but there are things that can people there that can help you maneuver 
the obstacles of life that we went through that we had to do just because that's what we did. You know, kind of like our parents used to tell us, you know, I went to school, you know, six feet of snow uphill both ways. Right. So you can mm-hmm. suck it up. Um, and so we did. But so, again, with this increase of, you know, everybody gets a trophy, this increase of, oh, it's going to be OK, we're going to coddle you and so on and so forth. And so millennials now, apparently, you know, you get a paper cut and you need to be on 10 weeks of disability. There are godly mentors that can be there that can help you overcome because they've walked the road ahead of you. They've been there and they've done that and they've gone through the pits and the valleys and the highs and the lows and they can help navigate you through some of those things and maybe even help you get to the right type of counselor, therapist, or whomever it's going to be so that you do get the right kind of help. So there's also important elements to meeting other people in a church-type setting because, again, they can provide sound wisdom they can provide sound advice and be something that and be someone who you can lean on for support whereas friends and other people you know might not be there for you i think that's very true son and uh, there definitely are those advantages to being part of a of a of a congregation with other christians and i i also would add to that that when a person is feeding their soul and god is giving you strength through his word it's amazing to me, son, how as a person's spiritual life takes off, um, it has such a huge impact on their mental health. Now, I, I'm not saying in every situation that, you know, uh, you know, you know, mental struggles does, you know, evaporate or that sort of thing. But there is a huge correlation between um, a person's mental peace of mind and their spiritual health. And, and when, when a person is growing in the Lord, growing in the Word, hearing His messages, um, I, I'll just go back to what I may have said at the very beginning, and that is um, there is a power that you receive by, by just attending church, a good church with a good, you know, a good message and, and good people, uh, non-judgmental people, grace-filled place, um, you know, but, but very true to Scripture and, and, and not compromising Scripture. There is so much power that that brings to the soul that sometimes these other mental health issues, they, they, they kind of fall to the side. Uh, again, I'm not saying everything just always goes away or evaporates, but there is definitely a strong correlation between those two. And, and I am convinced on that if, you know, the 42% or whatever the number I, I read here not too long ago of, of millennials who get therapy every week, if, 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 and, and I mean, I commend that it's a good thing to, to get, uh, to get assistance and help and, and, and therapy um, uh, from, from, you know, from people who, who know what they're talking about. So that's a good thing. Uh, but I would say that um, along with your therapist, uh, you know, uh, having the Lord in your life, following him, being part of uh, his church, loving not only Christ, but his bride, accepting Jesus as your savior. Um, these, this all is going to help your mental health tremendously. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, after all, son, think about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I mean, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, think about how much of that interacts with a person's mental health and and worries and anxiety. So I think you're exactly right, son. There is such a, uh, a just an epidemic uh, of, of, anxious young people today 
uh, and and things that maybe you or I might look at and say, well, why, why would that bother you? You know, uh, well, the thing we need to remember is if somebody is bothered by something, then it, it's a very real issue for them. And 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 I would say to every listener, son, God cares about anything that bothers you, even if you know your peers don't, or your family doesn't, or no one else does. If you, if you if it bothers you, then God is concerned about that. He said, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." And that's what Christ wants to give you in the midst of any anxiety, mental health struggle, struggles, spiritual struggles, temptations, uncertainties, fears, doubts, uh, anger, depression, whatever it might be. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we serve a, a mighty God, son, and and He He shows up. Uh, when, when his people come together, um, and, and so whatever a person may have heard about church or experienced in church, I guess I would say, um, wait until you experience the real thing. And, and then once you do, you will likely find yourself not at a point of, well, boy, should I go even though I don't feel like going, but you'll find yourself probably more often than not be, man, I can't wait to go to church because I need that this week. I need that strength. And I, and I know those, these people there who need me and my encouragement. And, and, and even though I may not feel like it physically, maybe I'm tired, it's been a long week or whatever, um, boy, I need this. And, and son, if, if and when, um, especially Christians, but anybody, even if they're not yet a Christian, when, when they take that very, very seriously, I mean, after all, you know, it was one of the Lord's, you know, commandments, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's very important to God. Uh, I mean, there's one day. I mean, you know, well, what if the Bible said you don't remember every day? You know, go to church every day. Well, we're to be in church in, in a sense every day, in the sense of walking with the Lord every day. But if we can't give up at least one day, one hour, a couple hours with some other Christians, then I would have to say, well, is it even on your radar? Because I'm guessing you give up one hour for video games a week or one hour for TV or one hour for getting together with friends. Or how, how about maybe like 20 times that one hour on some of those things? Or, or, or how about your sports team? Do you give up? I mean, are you committed to that? Uh, are you committed to your job? Are you committed to your family? Um, and then I say, are you committed to the Lord? And, and, and it, it doesn't work. Any of those things I just mentioned, you know, a job, a marriage, a family, uh, uh, Christianity, it doesn't work unless we are engaged, unless we commit. And, and most people aren't going to commit on unless they, they see the value and begin to experience the value. And that's what I'm trying. And you and I are trying to encourage people today to see is there is value there, even if you haven't yet experienced it, millions are, you can too. So don't give up, um, don't believe the devil's lies, and don't assume that just because uh, certain professing Christians or certain church that you have a history with, one out of, you know, you know, um, you know hundreds of thousands you know, of churches, uh, don't, don't assume that that's going to be what your next experience is going to be like, because there are millions of Christians who say, um, well, if you only knew and experienced what we are, uh, you, you'd want to be there on, on Sunday or whenever we worship, you know, uh, just like other people are, are wanting to be there. So, um, so there it is, son. I mean, I think we've given some real good uh, reasons for people. Um, you know, there, there's like, like that book, Reasons to Believe. Well, I think we've given some reasons to go to church. At least I hope we have. And, and uh, um, you know, I, I, I think as a person prays about this, uh, I think they'll start to see a lot of wisdom in it. Dan Dozell with us as we talk about the issues sitting at the crossroads of faith and pop culture. Um, Dan, we appreciate your time and your insights, and we look forward to many more conversations, God willing. Oh, thanks, Son. This has been a great visit once again today, and I, I sure look forward to our next time together in the podcast. 
Uh, be sure to uh, check out our website. It's RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Sanctified Reason podcast logo. Past shows will pop up. You can also listen pretty much any way you listen to podcasts. Just search Sanctified Reason podcast and we pop up. Um, you can also uh, email the show if you want to reach out to us at sanctifiedreason at gmail.com. And we will get back to you and respond as well. And so, uh, again, for those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.